This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. Thanks for staying with us here on the morning run on this Monday, 20th, uh, 28th January 2019. And uh, we're going to talk about business. And uh, before that, coming up after the 8am news, we're going to have the breakfast grill where I will be speaking to Dato Chong Chi Leong, who is the president and CEO of Chagamas. And Chagamas is an institution uh, that essentially funds the bank's uh, financial institution's liquidity so that uh, they are more willing to uh, lend money to people to buy their properties and of course a property is the talk of town mm-hmm. nowadays right uh, we, we even have uh, the uh, national Fo- affordable housing policy which will launch today yeah uh, but uh, you know I'm, I'm talking to him about uh, the uh, the social drivers uh, of property market and I'm going to ask him about uh, the trends and outlooks that are uh, going to be happen in this sector Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, property is a big issue. Uh, it's been a big topic for a number of years now. It's still a very current topic today. Yeah, and do you know that Chagamas was set up in the 80s uh, mm. when the nation at that time was uh, going through a kind of recession and the banks uh, had a liquidity problem. So the government actually set up Chagamas uh, to just provide liquidity to the banking system. Uh, this is along the lines of, uh, well, not not based on that idea but uh, similarly in the US you had Fannie Mae and Freddie mm-hmm. Mac right that mm-hmm. had to be bailed out by the US government in the global financial crisis about 10 years ago so is Chagamas uh, vulnerable uh, to such um, events as well uh, that's something that we're going to discuss as well okay now as mentioned earlier the national affordable housing policy or NAHP is expected to be announced today it's meant to provide potential homeowners with a chance of buying houses at an affordable price right so um, this is also an aim to give builders guideline and uh, market intelligence where the government intends on creating an integrated housing data system which will hopefully allow us and also assist developers uh, to gauge in, uh, and understand the housing market better. Now, uh, this policy comes after the newly established National uh, Affordable Housing Council, NAHC, chaired by the Prime Minister, which held its inaugural meeting earlier this month. I find it interesting was this integrated housing data system. I wonder how long it's going to take to build that system because right. you need to you need to mine the data as well and and whether how um, current and how real are the data. You know, because sometimes you wait for data to come up on the statistics department and all that. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lag. So, you know, how long is that going to take and how current will the data be and how effective uh, will the data help developers when it comes to gauging and better understanding the housing market? So, uh, interestingly, some of the policies that may surface uh, is the fact that the government is going to put a cap on affordable house pricing uh, of 300,000 ringgit. And the units must have a minimum of 900 square feet. Uh, they will also outline a price guide for affordable houses at different locations based on uh, the medium, the median income of the population. So you know now that in KL, mm. uh, the house uh, average house price about, is about four times, over four times the annual median income of the KL, KL lights, right? And right. Uh, that is under a category of extremely unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's an actual category. Yeah, actually, I remember Bank Nagara coming out with a study before and they, ha- they had data on what's unaffordable and it differs mm. from different states, you Dif- know? Yes. Differs, but mm. by and large, not, not only in KL, but in other parts of Malaysia as mm-hmm. well, uh, pr- house prices are very unaffordable mm. by the average Malaysian. 
Asian family. Now, we spoke to, uh, you know, Chagama CEO again, who's coming up on the grill a, a bit later, Dato Chong Chi Leong, and he weighed in on what the national affordable housing policy should entail. Well, I believe the policy should be encompassing all the value chain in terms of the housing sector, in terms of the entire ecosystem, not just on the uh, supply side, but on the demand side as well. And also looking at the uh, hygiene factor, for example, in terms of the environment, in terms of the accessibility to such location, in terms of connectivity with transportation. And of course, also to look at perhaps the rental uh, sector as well. So I think the, the national housing policy should also have a certain point in terms of uh, affordable housing, how they could address this issue. The major issue currently facing the government is affordability of housing. So I t- would believe that this uh, new housing policy would be quite uh, wide-ranging and encompassing all these uh, critical issues. And that was Chagama CEO Dato Chung Chi Leong commenting on uh, what should go into the national housing policy. Right. He, of course, uh, is uh, no stranger to the property market, having uh, been an, uh, you know, president and CEO and also observer for a very long time. Yeah. And so uh, on other initiatives now, the government is expecting to hold a mega home sales expo in March to find buyers for unsold home nationwide. Now, a similar event such as this uh, was held back in 1998. That was about 20 years ago. And also, there is a budget announcement last year made by Finance Minister Lim Guan Eng, which, uh, w- which he mentioned the government will exempt stamp duties on an instrument of transfer and loan agreement for purchase of homes, which is valued between over 300,000 uh, and to up to 1 million ringgit. Yeah, so this is uh, for first time home buyers, I think starting January 1st this year to address the issue of property overhang. So I wonder how, whether or not that's going to spur people to buy homes as well as this mega home sales expo in March. You know? so, how successful was the 98 event, the similar event? How many people actually went to buy unsold homes nationwide? So this is very interesting because uh, 300,000, right? How affordable is 300,000? Now, if you assume... Uh, uh, that somebody puts down 30000 uh, for the house payment, then uh, you'll actually end up uh, re- with a monthly repayment for the next 30 years of about 1,400 ringgit. Right? Right. If you put less and you borrow uh, and uh, have a shorter tenure, then uh, your monthly re- repayment would be more. So can mm. people afford this, uh, fif- you know, they're about 1,500 ringgit a month to pay for their 300,000 home which is on average uh, supposedly 900 square feet. Uh, and would you be able to get a cheaper option by just renting yeah, and, and, and invest the rest? And the, the stamp duty uh, factor is also interesting because uh, from this 300,000 uh, property uh, house price, the uh, sales and purchase agreement stamp duty will be about 5,000. And the loan, if you take up a loan with a bank, uh, will be about 1,350. So the waiver of the stamp duty would uh, represent a huge savings for so they, bias, yeah. they save quite a lot, right? With this exemption. Thousands, yeah, thousands. yeah. So whether or not that's going to spur them and encourage them to buy their first home. You know, Star Property came out with this survey and they found that, you know, there could be, well, 42% of 3,000 respondents are saying that they're thinking of buying a property this year. And Julian, about 84% of them prefer buying to renting though. 
Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's more of a cultural yeah. uh, mindset. I think it's that's still the mindset that, yeah, in yeah. property ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking at the, uh, as you mentioned just now, when you highlighted that the monthly commitment for a 300,000 property would be up to close to 1,500. Now, it, this doesn't tie down with the minimum wage as well uh, in the country, which is 1,500 ringgit, uh, which this where this this policy is supposed to target the B40 group. So again, I uh, I don't know how, what basis did they you know, under what basis did they make that the cap should be at three hundred thousand when it does not tie down with. So although it's a cap, yeah. though it's a cap, so it could be lower. So yes. the the property price could be lower, but, but I cannot which exceed three hundred thousand. Which developer would want to sell that kind of property, right? Because uh, developers would be thinking about margin. So mm-hmm. uh, is it a case that and and I will ask this uh, with uh, that. Uh, uh, CEO of Chagamas later, mm-hmm. you know, Dato Chong, whether he believes that the government should go into some kind of a HDB policy. Because in Singapore, the HDB policy uh, has been extremely successful in um, spreading home ownership among Singaporeans, one of the yeah. uh, biggest uh, top ownership countries in the world, mm-hmm. actually. But if you leave it to developers, would they be able to spit out products? At three hundred thousand and make money at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I guess also it depends on how they manage their costs, and the, and I think a big factor is also the land price, right? The right. cost of land. But yeah, if the government, Julian, it's a good idea if they should consider the whole HDB thing that Singapore is doing. But then again, there's always these grand plans, good ideas, but it boils down to execution, whether they can execute or not. Now, if you build homes, you've got to give them the internet. So uh, the government wants to expand internet reach into the rural areas. Communications and Multimedia Minister Gobind Singh Dio said uh, he is exploring the options of you know, a few things, using satellites, running fibers along sewage pipe, and even opening access to existing TNB poles that carry wires to the homes. Yeah, so he says that he will soon make it mandatory for all new development to have fiber connectivity now just like electricity and water supply the utility services now currently there are about 2.5 to 2.8 million people in semi-urban and rural areas uh, with slow internet speed uh, and and recently he he was also speaking about the pilot project in Jasin uh, where Jasim Laka to use existing infrastructure partially to provide broadband to semi-urban as well as rural areas uh, as uh, of Felda settlers. Yeah, so I think some experts have weighed in on this and said that you know satellite use would be too expensive and not practical. I think the minister, on the other hand, has said technology advancement means that earlier complaints of satellites being too costly was now something we can deal with. And he also highlights the geographical challenges of using fibre. I think some areas in Malaysia, that's going to be hard to reach. So, mm. you know, the need to move beyond fibre and there's also currently plenty of fibre optic cables on the ground, but the last mile connection, I think that's still an issue. Yeah, so I, I think uh, it is kind of breaking new ground uh, when the minister considers Tanaga National because it has over 12,000 kilometres of fibre and it connects up to 9 million customers um, and 54,000 uh, kilometers of fiber have been deployed uh, globally. That's under telecom. But Time.com also has 7,000 kilometers running along, along the north-south highway. And Time.com is connected to about 1 million urban apartments. So if you want to connect to the rural areas, uh, the question is uh, for the last mile, whether it's just as simple as Tanaga using the electricity connection just to give you internet. And mind you, it has to be smart, uh, fast, like fairly decent 
speed internet because right. if you mm. give internet and it's like at a crawling speed, mm. uh, people would uh, get angry as well, and and you might lose some votes as a result of that as well. You know? Right, and but also I think it's not just a case of laying down fibers to the homes from from the main backbone, but there's also the service that they need to provide. Now TNB is not known to be the service provider of internet. Uh, it, they would rely on. I, I would uh, say ni- neither is some of those <laughs> current very big incumbents. Fair, no fair. name, no names mentioned. Right? Fair assessment. So I guess it's a matter again, like how Joyce mentioned just now, it's a matter of business case whether or not they can. Uh, you, you going going for the last mile, whether or not they'll make a good business case for all this uh, last mile service providers. So the challenge, I think, according to uh, Govind Singh, I think if all the fiber and pole access is open, a large portion of the nation can be wired up and supplemented with other tech. But he says not many players are willing to invest in the last mile connection. So their hope is someone else will invest. Is there someone else out there who would like to invest in this? Good question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 756. The other news that we have is, of course, is the ECRL on or is it off? Conflicting statements have come out over the weekend about this 81 billion ringgit project. Mahathir says he's not sure. Azmin says we can't afford it. And Guan Ing says he's shocked that it's it's uh, uh, it's cancelled. Yeah, there's a lot of statements coming out, I guess. We'll have to wait and see uh, what is the actual official statement with regards to ECRL. Because so far, I think this has to do with some discussion that went on in Cabinet on Thursday. right? So I think we're all waiting to see what was the actual decision that's come out from that. Right. And on the same note, on Saturday, that's when uh, a speculation swirled about Cabinet having terminated the China communication construction contract uh, to build this ECRL, where the Economic Affairs Minister, Datuk Seri Mama Azmin Ali, now he confirmed that the country would not go ahead with the project, saying that it is largely largely because the country could not afford the uh, 500 million ringgit annual interest on the project. Yeah, but there is also the uh, the question of which ministry's uh, portfolio is the ECRL under, uh, because the MLF has been releasing releasing official statements, uh, so it is assumed that it falls under uh, Guaning's finance ministry. Uh, Deputy Prime Minister Muhyiddin himself also mentioned that. Uh, the the finance minister and the prime minister are the people better qualified to explain the project. But traditionally, uh, the the project has been under the MOF, although the project should also technically fall under the Economics Affairs Ministry as uh, the, the all, all the mm. assets have been transferred uh, mm-hmm. to this Economics Affairs Ministry. So uh, I think the mystery continues yeah. and uh, we would look out for answers soon. Right. Uh, the Breakfast Grill is coming up after the 8 a.m. news where I will be speaking to Chagamasio Dato Chung Chi Leong. Stay tuned for that BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.